I once knew a Bible teacher who shared the mental picture of God where she imagined him as a chef standing over a large pot, moving a large spoon gently through his people, mixing and melding them together in workplaces and neighborhoods and schools and church. A sovereign shuffling of his people, bringing unlikely combinations and flavors of people together to create a masterpiece to nourish others. In today's episode, we'll hear from two friends, one from Missouri and one from Mississippi, who through God's divine shuffling, found themselves together at Samford University and now on staff here at Dawson. God has used their individual struggles to create a layered friendship. Today's episode is a testimony of God's rich provision when we are vulnerable enough to bring him our questions and our most desperate struggles. So today we are here with Kara Fincher, who is the Associate College Minister, and also Aubrey Johnston, who is a student minister here at Dawson. And uh, we're just going to talk about life and about uh, the Lord's calling on their lives and just what's going on. We'll just we'll start by just telling us where you are today. Um, Kara, why don't you start? Okay. Great. So, yeah, thanks for having us today. I am Kara. I'm Associate Minister of College Students. Well, obviously now working full-time here at Dawson. I am married to Caleb. We have been married for just over a year, so I'm still new to the wife world, but um, it's been awesome. Caleb and I both are really passionate about worship leadership, and we're doing some events for various churches really just in the South, whether that's, you know, weekend student events or girls ministry events or nonprofit fundraisers, um, leading worship for those. And so we do a lot of traveling on the weekends. We do a lot of wedding full-time in the church, kind of just on the side as passion, traveling around doing music with my husband. And sometimes I'm just like, I think I'm living the dream. <laughs> Not every day, but I definitely kind of feel like that right now. It's just a really fun season of life. Well, I'm not sure you have time for hobbies, but if you did, do you have any? I mean, does music not count? Well, it counts, <laughs> but... Yeah, music, I, lo- I just love any kind of... Caleb and I will do, we have like a studio in our house, so we'll do some recording. He's a producer, and he's so good. He's 10 million times better than I am as anything music related. Yeah. Honestly, anything music related is probably our go-to in our spare time. We love people. We love like spicy Uno, <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> We're kind of boring Spicy people. Uno. Yeah, I'm not just, familiar with that. It's just normal Uno, but Spare with, time. it is, Aubrey and I play it together. It's just, it's normal Uno, but with added rules. So some people call it Funo. But I think you can, like, Google it. Oh, like, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Funo or Spicy, you know, and you can read some of the rules on Google. But it's just, like, added rules. So, like, anytime a four is played, no one can talk until another four is played. And if somebody talks, then they have to pick up a card. So just kind of, like, crazy things like that. But it's really fun. Very so Thomas is playing Uno now. You know oh, this. Like yes. He loves it. I might need to introduce him you to that. You need to. It's the no like, talking rule would be... <laughs> would be hard. He'd take a lot of cards. cards. <laughs> yeah, he'd take a lot of cards. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So that's Love us. <laughs> We're great friends with Aubrey Johnston, who's sitting right across from me right now. Mm-hmm. She's one of my besties. So it's fun to get to do this with her today. So when did y'all meet and where, how... We met at Samford. Kara's a year older than me from Samford. I don't honestly remember the first time that we met. We got close her senior year, my junior year. And then walking into Beeson together really was our bonding moment. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. learned a ton of girls at Beeson. So, yes. We really 
We really yeah. needed each other. So we knew each other in undergrad, but yeah. got to be super close in grad school. And here we are now working together. Living the dream. <laughs> Love it. All right, Aubrey, where are you today? I loved that question. I thought it was kind of funny being like, we're in this room. Um, <laughs> that's kind of how I read it at first. But I am loving getting to be here at Dawson. It has been such a blessing. The last two months have just been a whirlwind, but super fun. So I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I came down, went to Sanford. I've been here for eight and a half years and have loved Birmingham and Sanford. And I think this is like my first time really experiencing Birmingham as a whole. Like I'm in the school systems now and I'm going to Homewood games and Vestavia games. And we did prayer at the pole this morning at Homewood Middle School. So my life looks really different than it did when I was at Sanford, which I think a part of this season for me is just learning balance between like investing in families here and spending time with my roommates and my boyfriend and trying to see my family at home. And that's just kind of been something that this season has really like just turned up. It's like, how do you balance all these different relationships and grow relationships on staff? What was the last thing that you read and why did you choose that? I brought mine with me today. Hey, before you answer that, do y'all like to read for pleasure? Um, <laughs> just, just curiosity. Yes or no. It's, and it's fine if you don't, I just, yes, but not like romance novels. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Awesome. I think no. we read the same types of yeah. books. I would say a loose. Yes. Like I think coming out of seminary at, at Beeson, I kind of hit a point of being like, I'm forced to read <laughs> so much right, by right. this date that I was like, I need a break. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'm getting back into a swing of, but yeah, like Aubrey, I'm, I really am not a like fiction reader for like, if I'm going to sit down and read, it's probably some kind of discipleship book, a book on theology, a book on issues in the church, like whatever it may be. Yeah. I'm um, more of a nonfiction reader. Yeah. So Maybe not as much as I would like to be. Not as much as Becca. <laughs> I want to be a reader like that. Well, I feel like after I graduated, so I was an English major. When I graduated from Clemson, I took a hiatus from reading for a little while, too, because it's just, I yeah. get that. You, you just need a minute. so much for so long. Yeah. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant. Yeah. I'll say I needed a minute. I needed a year. <laughs> <laughs> My minute was a year. But, yeah. Is there a book from that particular genre that y'all do like that, like you would say has been most impactful on you? Mm -hmm. So not necessarily the latest thing you've been reading, but like one book in particular, just from the past that you've read that you would say impacted you a lot. Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like I could give a list. Yeah. I mean, most recently I have been reading a book by Ashley Chestnut, who is at actually a local church here in Birmingham um, called It's Not Just You. It just came out recently, but it's a little bit heavier in the sense of kind of this idea that Christian women assume that they are alone or outliers in any kind of sexual sin or sexual sin struggles. And that assumption in and of itself keeps them silent. And so this book is like, what does scripture say about this? What do statistics show us? And how do we fight sexual sin specifically for women? I think that's a conversation we've done really well in the church for men, right. uh, but there's just not really as many resources that are accessible for women. And so it, the book has helped me greatly in ministering to college women. And I mean, honestly, like every page that I've read was like a, I, Ashley's a, actually a friend of ours and I'll shoot her a text. And I'm like, thank you so much for writing this book because it's just been so helpful to have some language and help college women kind of walk through what that looks like. So maybe a little bit heavier, but that is what I'm reading these days. Yeah. And it really has been very helpful and influential. I'm just, that's the most recent one that I'm thinking of. I don't know about you. So that question is a little bit harder. Like the 
book that's shaped me the most or influenced me the most. But the mm-hmm. book that really has, like, I think marked my time so far here has been the book that we're walking through with our community group. So we're reading this book called 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by a woman named Rebecca McLaughlin. I have, like, pretty much been reading seminary-level books. Mm-hmm. So to read something that's so simple was so challenging to me in the sense of, like, I was confronted so quickly by her metaphors and by her really great illustrations and Mm -hmm. honestly I think for all the moms listening out there like this is a book that every teen should have in their hands Mm -hmm. but it has truly been so helpful for them to read questions about doubt questions about creation questions about the bible questions about love questions Mm -hmm. about heaven and hell um, how to share your faith that's just been really really helpful to kind of get in the mind of a teenager yeah um, which I kind of forgot how to do yeah. And so now re-entering it, that book has just been tremendous. Yeah, that's good. I actually listened to a podcast episode. I think it was of Knowing Faith. Do y'all listen to that? Um, I'm pretty sure she was interviewed on one of those yeah. old podcast episodes for Knowing Faith. But I remember thinking, this is so mm-hmm. helpful and thinking I will come back to this one day. Yes. I think, yeah. you know, that's something that marked my teenage high school years is I remember that I had doubts and confusion about things in Christianity. And not only did I not feel like I necessarily had a place to ask those questions all the time or that they were encouraged, but also I had a hard time because of that, even knowing how to verbalize them. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that she actually gives you the questions you Mm -hmm. should be asking and then breaks down and talks, you know, processes them, explains them. It's just really cool yeah. and helpful. Yeah, her, her story is really cool. Um, me, Brian, and Ben are actually going to the Rooted Conference coming up here mm-hmm. in Birmingham because she's coming. Oh, and wow. The Rooted Conference is a ministry for youth <clears throat> leaders. Okay. Um, found it out of a church here in Birmingham. And so mm-hmm. she's coming. And so we were like, we have to go. I might have to join y'all. <laughs> we love it. Well, and I, you know, it's interesting you say that mm-hmm. it's related to teenagers and you're obviously dealing with young adult women. And I think one of the things the enemy uses so often is this idea that whatever you're going through, you're the only one that's in that situation. And I thought yesterday, you know, when we were in staff worship and Pastor David was talking about kind of his view or as an, as a teenager of the Bible and this Mm -hmm. idea that you should automatically be able to understand everything in it. And that, you know, there's all this, it's like a code that you're not getting. I don't know. I think at various times in, in our lives, especially as Christians, there are questions that we are afraid to ask out loud because we yeah. feel like, oh, well, I should know that. Or yeah. I've been here long enough that, or I've been a Christian long enough that right. I should have that figured out. And yet, our, no matter about the time you get something figured out, the enemy uses that to sort of mm-hmm. twist your, your thinking. Yeah, so exactly. I like what you said that they have, they're giving them the questions to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And tools to help them walk through it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like it is a sin struggle or it is, you know, like something very physical of like, okay, biblically, like, let's talk about a way to walk through this season. Let's walk through this sin, like rethink and retrain our brains of so much of it. Right. Is like kind of like, behavioral therapy almost it is absolutely it ways is. of like let's retrain mm-hmm. our brains into that this path of holiness and what does that look like for these kind of topics that are like oh am i alone on this mm-hmm. you know i don't know what it is so well absolutely. and when you read in scripture where jesus talks about the greatest commandments and and even in deuteronomy it's like you know love the lord with all your heart your soul your strength and your mind yeah. your mind is always part sure. of that those 
scriptures and there's so much about it that you can do to retrain your mind. Yeah. Sometimes we're so scared to, to ask those questions or to allow other people to ask those questions because we're scared that we either won't be able to find an answer or that we'll be let down or disappointed or something will kind of pull the rug out from under our faith when really what I found is every time you actually are just honest and address the question and it might take a long time to to really work through and seek understanding and answers but what actually ends up happening is your faith is bolstered and you're then able to talk about the answers to that question to other people who are struggling with the same thing and bolster their faith and it's just this ripple right. effect and so it, it really has the opposite effect that what we think it might have. Yeah. Changing gears just a little bit. We talked yesterday about either obstacles in our faith or plans that kind of got derailed. So talk about, you know, something there in that realm that you've dealt with. I, I think for me, I, anytime I'm asked this question, I feel like I always answer it the same way. And it, it may be a little bit heavier. So when I was in high school, um, early high school was diagnosed with what they told me was a panic disorder basically severe anxiety. Right. And, but that manifested itself in just very intense panic attacks. So over the course of, I don't know how many years it's been since that happened, I probably should count, um, have been in behavioral therapy, probably will be the rest of my life, um, on certain medication that just kind of helps regulate and give me more control. So more than just a what I, you know, general anxiety, but I'll have these like panic attacks. Sometimes I can, you know, figure out what, if there was a trigger, uh, sometimes there are no triggers. And so it's just a very physical, just very, something very physical I walk through. So the longest one I've ever had, uh, lasted three weeks, which was honestly a nightmare. <laughs> if I'm being honest, usually they're, you know, anywhere from four to six hours of, until I really can feel back to a sense of stability. But honestly, it's just part of my story, like struggling with mental illness. It's a very real thing for a very long time. I told myself I wasn't trusting the Lord enough and just letting my faith be, be what tells me like, well, you're having these because you're not trusting the Lord and really came to a place with a lot of counsel and prayer of, I've, I, I know that I've surrendered in full to the Lord and there is just something kind of disconnected that I need some extra help with. So yeah, common grace of, of both medicine and behavioral therapy, but all that to say it, it definitely will have, has an effect on almost anything I do. <laughs> so work related, whether that's, um, you know, in ministerial leadership, if that's in conversation, if that's in, I mean, very physically, some days I'm very unable but honestly, like I, I, I say this all the time too. I don't know how people that struggle with mental illness or really people in general, you take out that with uh, part of the sentence, do life without the hope of that this is not our home mm -hmm. and the hope that one day there will be no tears and we will not need to rely on medication and behavioral therapy and we will be in the presence of the Lord. And that in and of itself, that hope is what keeps me going. And so I think I've reached a point, maybe toward the end of college, where I really and truly believed for myself. I, I felt like I was right there along with Paul saying, I'm actually going to rejoice in this suffering because it is when I am the most weak that I just see the presence of Jesus so clearly. And um, I, 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 I'm not just saying that. I genuinely believe that. Like it is in those darkest moments that I am just... 
I, I physically feel embraced by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I wouldn't change that. It's, I, I really wouldn't. Um, I think that it just reminds me that I'm not God and that this is not home and this is not how it was originally created and designed. And I'm more dependent on the Lord, literally, physically, every single day. I lean more into community. I've learned to be very vulnerable. Sometimes I meet people and I'm like, hey, I think I'm actually going to have a meeting attack, so we'll talk about it later, but like, give me a second, I'm going to go. Um, so that can be interesting at times. That doesn't happen super often, but people in my inner circle would like very much know. And, um, you know, I try to help get language like, if this ever happens, like, this is what you can yeah, this is not my home, and I praise God for that. So, well, uh, thank you. I mean, that's amazing for you to share that. I I have dealt with mental illness off and on for thirty years now, and um, same deal. A lot of counseling, a lot of medication, but there is a lot of guilt, and a lot of for me, there was a lot of guilt. Like you didn't pray hard enough, you didn't believe enough, you didn't, you know, do the commandments or whatever. We, you know, like there is this sort of of underlying thing that somehow you haven't done faith right mm-hmm. if you believe Jesus, but you also deal with these other things. Yeah. But like Becca said, I, I one of the things I have found over the course of the time that I've dealt with with my issues, which are um, major depressive episodes, is what they call it, mm-hmm. has been that when you do open up and you are vulnerable you find out that there's a lot of other people that have dealt with it too. And you're like, why are we not talking about this? Why, why are we not, you know, cause all this time I thought I was by myself. Yeah. You think you're alone. I feel like this whole podcast is coming back to the same thing of like, you're not alone. Like all of this, we keep talking about. Cause I, I think it's the same for me as well. And there's even women who are faithfully following Jesus, who have a very similar, um, I mean, they give you a name for your disorder. Mine is like a code, but have a very similar kind of what this manifests itself in your body. And those are some of the women that I will text first because it's just a different level of understanding. And Hey, I'm praying you through this one. And it's like acceptance. It's a, you know, the Lord is with you. And I'm like, yes, I do. But physically my brain is telling me otherwise. And you know, I literally can't stand up right now. So yeah, it's, that's definitely a kind of curveball and obstacle I probably wouldn't have chosen. But at the same time, I genuinely feel like I'm in a place of acceptance and I will rejoice in it because I, I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's just going to be that thorn that's there until Jesus calls me home. You may call it like a, a weak spot, but where the Lord's definitely strong through you oh, sure. because, you know, being in college ministry and seeing you interact with girls, like I, I have seen in multiple relationships that you have with college girls, mm-hmm. you struggle with the same thing, you being, showing them Jesus and that because you've experienced that. And um, I definitely think it's, it's a spot in your life where the Lord shows his strength. Well, and that's true with a lot of women that are competent and that are leaders. You know, people look at you and they're like, well, you know, Kara could get that done. And Aubrey is, you know, she is tearing it up. But then there's this where you cannot do it by yourself. Yeah. And, and it is a way for the Lord to show and, people that are strong and are seen as authorities and leadership that, you know what, she can't do that, but I can, she can't stand up, but I can, I can stand her up. Yeah. And what Um, a beautiful picture of what the church is, right? mm -hmm. On the moments I can't stand up. Right. 
Right. Absolutely. Like when Moses had those people that were yes, holding his literally arms holding it. You really do come to understand that. Yeah. yeah because there are, you know, there are days where you're like, I can't do it today. So there are people that are on the day she can't do it that are holding her arms up. Yeah. Oh. Top that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Please don't. Aubrey is one of those people in my inner circle. So <laughs> she knows all the things and we talk through this a good bit. And something that's been really sweet, I think, continually in care and nice friendship has been the way the Lord has really just like weaved our stories together. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, we've experienced some pretty similar things, yeah. like some really painful breakups and some really hard seasons of ministry hurt. Yeah. Um which are maybe not always for a podcast for everyone to listen to, right, but right. Um, it's been really sweet to have like a physical person in the body of Christ yeah. to get to walk through some of these just really painful things that have happened. So looking at like, when I look back at what the Lord has done, I've, I've just been seeing everything with a new eye when I'm thinking about like, okay, I'm a high schooler again. Like, what did I think about? What, what do I wish I could go back and say to my 16, 17 year old self? And I think back to these kind of like Ebenezer moments or like marking moments in my, really in my college and early, like early twenties life. Um, when the Lord just like really kind of started softening me and helping me see what happened in, in my past. So when I was a junior in college, I was on a mission trip with a group of girls I was doing ministry with. And the Lord revealed to me like a childhood trauma that I had stored deep, deep within my memory. And if you were to ask me, like if someone would have known that memory and could have asked me in high school, I probably could have acknowledged that it was real, but I wouldn't have said it was like shaping me. But in that moment, I realized that I had seen my whole life through this trauma, that when bad and simple things happen to me, it's my fault. And that was shame. And that was a bondage I walked with in my really close familial relationships um, with boys and dating relationships and friendships, I just constantly felt like when bad things happen to me or when people choose to put their sin on me, when their sin affects me, it's all my fault. And I just walk in the shame. And so that entered into a a really hard season in college, which I think is, I was doing college ministry before this. And I just loved the sweetness of like how much that shaped me. Just getting to like unearth all this dirt that was in my heart. And in the midst of like coming to that, I like entered into a really hard season of depression and my brother was struggling with a drug addiction and like on and on the things just piled. But pretty much, I'd say maybe two years ago, I finally kind of walked out of that season. And part of that was coming out of a really toxic relationship. And the Lord just completely healed my body from that. I had been struggling with some pretty physical pain from anxiety and depression and my physical body was healed. And I share that because those are moments where I've just like seen the Lord continually be like, come back to me and let me soften you. And I just wish I could have said those things. Like I wish 26 year old Aubrey could go back to 16 year old Aubrey and say like, live in the freedom that the Lord is giving you. And like, let's bring those memories up. And now when I'm talking to girls, not to say that they've all lived my story, but I know that some of them have, I know that so many of them have experienced hard, hard things at a young age. And that just shapes us. So I've kind of just been convicted of like, what a blessing it is to be back in middle school and high school ministry when like, I would have never imagined (laughs) that's what I would be doing. But it's like that season where I'm like, gosh, the Lord could have held me a little, I could have held on, held on to the Lord a little bit tighter than like, he could have really just used me then. And so now kind of getting to speak that back into these girls. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, at least that's great. Yeah. So what did you think you were going to do when you were 
Okay. Well, I really thought I was going to be like married with a baby at 23, uh, no ring on the finger, and I also thought I'd be a fashion designer. Okay. So I would literally like have, if you would have told me at 16 that I would be a youth minister, which like my youth minister growing up was this like really hairy old, not old man, he was awesome. Adam, you're amazing. I feel I've ever listened to this, but um, he was just like this goofy, like loved Star Wars, loved Legos. And I was, I was never something I imagined my life to be. But the more and more I just like trust the Lord that he's called me to full-time ministry, the more and more I know this is just a, yeah. it's been like kind of a strange reversal of everything I've ever thought about what I was supposed to do. It's not funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah. What did you want to be? Oh man. Uh, not a full-time minister. Yeah, definitely didn't think I'd be where I am today. I mean, I surrendered to Jesus at a young age and knew that I was called to ministry in some form or fashion, early teenage years. And it's actually really sweet. Pastor David, who's senior pastor here at Dawson, was my senior pastor in Tupelo, Mississippi growing up. So when I was a teenager surrendering to this call of ministry, Pastor David was the one just kind of shepherded me along that, like, this is what this could look like between him and my youth minister, Chad. But never, never wanted to do it full time. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I'll always lead worship on the side. I always, you know, on the side and serve the church really faithfully. I had an interest in journalism. So I actually went to school, um, majored in journalism, mass communication, did worship as a worship leadership as a minor. Right. Like still trying to have control over like, part time. God, part time. <laughs> um, vocational. Uh, but yeah, I, I not necessarily a writer didn't want to be like on news, uh, but just had a passion for telling stories and for storytelling and any kind of communication, like spreading news. Honestly, probably your job, Rachel. Probably some kind of. Oh, I know. No, listen. If I can get if I can get somebody out of school, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gonna drive a truck. I'm gone. Yeah, I yeah, probably something in the mass communication world is really what I. I mean, I went to school for and I studied. I actually had a job right out of undergrad with that degree um, doing marketing for a worship leadership organization. So I was like, wow, this is the dream job for me. It's exactly what, you know, just fits all my skill sets. And it was my boss there who really encouraged me to go to to divinity school, to Beeson. And um, I'm going to be real honest here. He said, you know, Carrie, you get employee tuition benefit. You're full-time here at Sanford. I, I worked at Sanford. So he's like, you're, you're full-time here at Sanford. I mean, you, you're paying, you know, close to nothing to go get a graduate degree from Beeson. You should apply and what whatnot. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll apply. That's a good thought. Like, might as well take advantage, right? So genuinely, that is how I got to, to Beeson. Um, was like the push of my boss who kind of got me there and said, you know, you can just use this for raising your kids one day. Because he knew that I was like, no, not full-time ministry. But I think he saw something in me that I was not willing to accept. So went to Beeson and sure enough, when I was there, it was just so clear for the Lord that I had just said no for such a long time. And I even tried when uh, Becca's husband, Blake, hired me on the college ministry. I even tried to do it part-time to start with. So I was part-time here at college ministry. I was still full-time at Sanford and part-time school at Beeson. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, y'all, I just really said no to the Lord for so long and finally surrendered to that of sense of like, okay, I will do ministry <laughs> full time vocationally. I was scared to death, really, truly just terrified me. And, you know, it's something about walking in the freedom of when you are really walking in full obedience to where the Lord has asked you to go. There's just a different sense of just peace. Like I genuinely like 
I sometimes feel like I have to pinch myself and be like, I'm thriving. I mean, yes, there are hard days, but I just really like, I really feel like this is exactly what God has called me to right now. And it's just like, I finally said yes in full to something I really didn't think I wanted to do. But yeah, so kind of a very weird how I got to where I am today. But you know, God always wins (laughs) as much as I push back. Maybe talk a little bit about women in leadership and and full-time ministry. Let's say one of your high school and one of your college girls is is thinking, you know, I feel like God's calling me to this, but there's no place for me there. They ask us. So then what? Number one, I just want to say that Dawson has genuinely been one of the sweetest places to serve as a woman on staff. I felt nothing but like coming from a place where I was just really not valued in the whole staff. I was valued in my ministry and um, by the the students I was leading, by the girls I was getting to love on. But I wasn't looked across the table from our senior pastor and told me that I was worth it, that I I should be here and that I was welcome. So I just want to say kudos to Dawson just for, and I think so much of that just comes from Pastor David's leadership, just his intentionality. I know he's been so intentional with Kara and he's just continued to be so intentional with me. Kara and I have been sweetly blessed in that we are at a place like Beeson where we had the freedom to really like grow into our strengths. And I was kind of like pushed outside of my comfort zone to be like, I was SGA president after um, a predecessor of Kyle Young. <laughs> my older brother. Her older brother, yes. which was the biggest gift. Um, <laughs> but just like in continual spaces, we were kind of pushed out of our comfort zones to like, okay, you got to kind of, you got to do this. Yeah. I think Karen and I both just really want girls to see that they do have a place. And I think we have the blessing of like opening up spaces for them. Right now in our student leadership in in student ministry, there's 12 girls and five guys. Now we are praying, moms be praying for your sons. We want them to step up. Um, but I just see so much eagerness in these young girls to share the gospel and to talk to their Hindu friends about the Lord and to just step up. So I think there's just a sweet season of like, there's this combination of a lot of feminism out in the world, which is pushing girls to to be who they who they're called to be, but we have to rein it back a little bit and say, like, let's let's be who God's called you to be. Right. And and there are places for you to be that in the church. I feel like this could be like a podcast in and of itself, but if there is anyone listening who you or your daughter or someone you know is kind of in that boat of exploring what that calling looks like. A book that Aubrey and I both have read that I think we would recommend is called Now That I'm Called by Kristen Padilla. She's actually at Beeson Divinity School, but just kind of walks you through what does this look like in scripture and what does this look like in the church? And Beeson is a, what we say, ecumenical, um, multiple denominations that are, you know, would affirm the Apostles' Creed that Jesus is Lord, which really gave us a lot of space to kind of grow in that area. But yeah, it's a fantastic book and it's very easy to read, but kind of a starting place to just start some of those conversations and just through prayer, really asking the Lord, okay, what is it you're calling me to? And what does that look like biblically and, you know, in my context? Okay. And one more little uh, rabbit trail. I'm a woman. I'm not called to vocational Christian service, or maybe I'm not called full time, but what does it look like for me to be a minister in whatever my context is as a mom, as a part-time worker, as a, you know, writer, as a whatever, how is that different or is it different as a woman? Well, I mean, you think of this idea of like priesthood of all believers, right? We all are called to ministry. So sure, some of us will be in vocational, professional ministry. This is what we do. But I would say, you know, in no way is Becca not also a minister to her children. Is Becca not also a minister to literally college girls that she's 
you know, discipling or mentoring right now, or actually young adults that I know you're mentoring and discipling right now, or moms who literally are at home with children or women, high schoolers who are, you know, in classrooms with, with other women who are not in the church. Like we all have a part in God's kingdom. We all have a part in using our gifts. So like for me personally, I've used the gift of music a lot that has just connected me with people. That's something God's given me. So that's like a tool in my tool belt that I've been able to use in, you know, for kingdom, kingdom work. But that really goes into anything we're called to, whether it is something like SGA, whether it is something like marching band, or maybe you're really good at computers. I don't know. No, you want to add to that. I think something that has been like a a change in this ministry position for me is that there's so many students, we cannot do this work alone. My role is to facilitate and is to equip parents and is to walk alongside these girls in the highs and the lows. And and to be in some of their lives deeply, but I can't be in all of their lives deeply. And I think that's made me realize my position as like the quote unquote minister is to make these moms and young women who can be a part of my ministry, the ministers. So I think it's just, it's discipleship. It's living out the calling of the Lord has on all of our lives to go there for and make disciples of all nations. And I think the more and more I step into vocational ministry, the more and more I'm like, oh God, I would not do this if you weren't calling me here because it sure would be easier to make disciples if I was out there. Like it sure would be easier if I got to go into Homewood Middle School and I was a teacher and I could hang out with these kids, mm, not yeah. this minister who like can't really do some things. And I'm just realizing there's so many benefits to being in the church, but there's so many cons too of like wearing the hat of vocational ministry. And I want to encourage people that that means like the church is the real ministers to the world. Okay. Last question. This is the hardest one. <laughs> oh gosh. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Wow. Um, the texture. I like the, I like the, I like the fluffiness. I like the, it's not just flat. You can put like blueberries in it and they stay in place so that, you know, in the oh, pancake. Put it inside the holes? Yes. <laughs> if you put blueberries over a pancake and then you cut it, they're going to roll. But if you put blueberries on a waffle and you cut it, they stay right where they are. So you can get a little blueberry in every single bite. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I thought through this. I'm kind of a pretty healthy eater. So like. If I don't tell me you don't eat bread. I We're do gonna have, eat bread. Oh. I do. I promise you I had a bagel for breakfast this morning. But I, if I'm going to choose pancake waffle, I'm going to say pancake, but it's going to be like banana made from bananas and oats and chocolate chips and that kind of stuff. Okay, we're going to have to work on that. I know. Aubrey's <laughs> super healthy. She's like in the gym every day and eating it. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to work on that. They all sound delicious to me. <laughs> I, I like all the food. Right, Sam. That's good. 1 Corinthians 12, 9-11 is a scripture we all know well. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties, For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's this scripture that came to mind as I listened to Aubrey and Kara share their struggles with mental health and shame. God's grace has been sufficient for them as he has provided flesh and bone people, physicians, therapy, and scripture to bring healing. What questions am I afraid to voice aloud both in prayer and in community? What events in my past have I buried too deeply, afraid to bring them out into the light? 
As Aubrey and Kara reminded us today, we have an ever-present, gentle, and loving Father ready to provide for our every weakness. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness. Amen and amen. Amen.